All right, welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and actually I am by myself this week. If you all happen to have been following us on Twitter, you may have noticed some things that came up this week where we actually had technical difficulties. Oddly enough, because we always do a sound test each week before we start because we've had uh, issues with that in the past and it's worked well for, gosh, probably six months or more, maybe even longer. And then we did a sound test. Everything went well. Recorded an hour episode. I go to upload it. And there is a constant popping, cracking in the audio, and it basically makes all of it useless. You can barely hear us half the time, and most of the time you can't even tell what's being talked about in the conversation. So, that was earlier this week, and now that uh, it's the very end of the week, I find myself on vacation here recording this episode because we have brought you... Michigan football episodes each and every week since August or September of 2015. And we have not missed a week with at least putting forth one episode. So we are not going to let that streak stop here. We are going to make sure that this comes through. I am doing this um, solo tonight uh, just because it was just kind of last minute. Everything was kind of busy because we were getting ready. My family and I were getting ready to go and everything. And so here we are, we're all, uh, at the vacation location and I'm able to get some time away because everybody else is asleep and it's one o'clock in the morning. So, um, so this is not going to be your standard episode, not going to be a full length episode and is going to be a uh, solo episode. Uh, due to obviously uh, the difficulty connecting with Craig here while I'm gone. So uh, we did have a good conversation. I will discuss uh, some of the things that we talked about and covering the big information that came out this week with the NCAA changing some rules pertaining to student athletes and some of them specific to football athletes. Uh, So if this is news to you and you have not heard about this, the NCAA changed some rules pertaining to uh, first and foremost, uh, transferring. Uh, transferring has always been a tricky situation. I mean, Michigan fans are far too familiar with this as far as things have gone with uh, Shea Patterson and his situation. But uh, they changed the ruling or the rules for transferring where uh, starting uh, October 15th, uh, if a student athlete informs the school that they want to transfer, the school has two business days to put that student's name into uh, what is a national transfer database. That will then allow the opportunity for other coaches to know that the student is interested in transferring, and they are allowed to content, uh, contact that athlete from there. So this opens up more freedom and you could say more control for the student athlete. Uh, there used to be a lot more restrictions for them, and it used to be a lot more drama, as everybody could see with the uh, Shea Patterson situation. Now, there is still a a snag, I would say, in this plan, because each conference can still make its own rules on how they restrict or do not restrict student athletes transferring to other schools within its own conference. 
So this is not a complete fix, but is absolutely a step in the right direction when you're considering the uh, difficulties that student athletes have had in the past. And it's kind of tough to say because some of the biggest problems that have come up in the past have been when um, athletes want to transfer from one conference school to another. But this will just clear things up um, and probably pave the road for more advancements in this category moving forward for student athletes um, could make things if this had been done previously could have been a big difference maker in the Shea Patterson issue and other athletes that we know that have transferred now it's um, to my knowledge and from what research and everything the standard information on as far as uh, if you're if they're not a graduate tra- transfer they do still have to sit out but a student athlete does not need to go and request permission from the university and the uh, coaching staff to transfer. That's probably one of the biggest parts of this uh, announcement that they put out because before uh, that request had to be put in, even, even if they were a graduate to transfer at any time, they had to put in that request. Uh, Cause I've even heard about this talked on uh, national radio that even as a graduate, to transfer, you still had to get permission from the university, even though what some consider the student athlete contract or, you know, their whatever they cover in their letter of intent, you know, they've played through their scholarship at that university, they still need to seek that permission to be able to transfer. So uh this this negates that they don't really need that permission they can put that information out there now of course there are some people who are worried and craig and i had a great conversation about this and we were kind of playing both playing devil's advocate on you know this giving more powers power to the players but then is that going to be a negative thing are you taking away things from uh the coach uh, the uh are you making things more difficult for the coaching staff because of the time that they invest into it and so we covered a lot of things and I, I feel like it kind of levels the playing field a lot because even though people will argue that this is not a job for student athletes because technically they're not, they're not getting paid for it, and then you can flip that over, though, and say, well, it is a job because they essentially are kind of on a contract where they have to maintain certain grades and things like that to keep their scholarship. They need to uh, perform um they're uh, on the team. They need to stay on the team. They need to maintain these certain criteria to be able to qualify for their scholarship that they are for. So while it might not be a instant monetary value like a coach's job or contract, they are still working and they are still putting a lot of time into this. And before then, they really had a lot of restrictions on them, which is unfortunate, especially when coaches move and they go to other jobs all the time. And the point that I brought up is I think this, this ruling is, uh, in my opinion, is more for the people who use it properly. Cause yes, there are going to be those things and it's probably what's going to be highlighted in the, in the first couple of years of the worst case scenario. Like some athlete is just not handling it well and they maybe make drama out of it and they just up and leave really quickly and things like that. But that's the same thing for coaches. You know, coaches make promises. Uh, they don't sign letter of intents exactly, but they make promises on, you know, I'm going to be here for a kid. We're going to have a long run here. I'll be here for X amount of years. 
et cetera, et cetera. And then a year later, they wind up uh, pulling up from that location and going somewhere else for a better job. So coaches can back out of things all the time. Soon athletes were more strict, more restricted. So in my opinion, like I said, this kind of levels the playing field more. Uh, it gives the players more freedom and everything. And some people might be worried about that, frankly. I think it works both ways where, you know, you're just going to have some of those coaches and some of those players where they don't care and they don't invest. And they will, quote unquote, kind of abuse this opportunity, abuse this rule. So it will happen. Those are probably going to be the biggest stories that come out of it. But generally saying, I would probably go with it's it's going to work itself out. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And we'll just have to, um, you know, it's one of those things where time will tell. And the other thing that's actually coming out from the NCAA here uh, recently is conversation around redshirt. Um, if Michigan fans remember, there have been many a drama conversations around, you know, when a player can qualify for a red shirt and things like that. And the ruling has kind of been up and down and everything, but they've kind of come down and they put their stamp of approval and they've, uh, finally put things down that four games is the magic number. A red shirt player can play in up to four games and they will not burn their red shirt. So this is very interesting to see. Uh, it's very nice to kind of have it look more clear cut and a better understanding of that. Now, the interesting thing is a lot of people are having a lot of different takes on this because I think one of the first things that came out is that um, people will say that teams will stockpile their players and use them in the more important games. Um, and so they're saying they're going to get three or four games out of, the, out of these extra players that they have, which I I had the conversation with Craig, and I, I find it a little bit comical that they would say that they would get three or four games out of them, uh, out of these players that aren't playing, that are not starters, that are not playing with the team on a regular basis on Saturdays that they're going to come in and be difference makers. Now, yes, of course, it's going to happen from time to time. I have no doubt that it's going to happen at certain points in time. But I don't see, for instance, I don't see teams such as Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State necessarily stockpiling players to use in those huge games. Now, of course, the Michigan-Ohio State game might be a prime example because every year it's at the end of the season. So they have the opportunities earlier in the season to test out players and potentially hold on to them and save them for those big games. So like games such as Alabama-Auburn and things like that, yes, that that might be a good example. But for for here here's a great example for Michigan this season, starting off with Notre Dame. You are not going to put in a player – I don't see it that a team and a coach is going to put in a player that they're seriously considered redshirting and putting them in on a big stage like that for the first time uh, without necessarily testing them out with something else first, like a Western Michigan or an SMU or Maryland or a Rutgers. I don't personally see that happening because I feel like there's more risk than reward with that. So, I mean, it, it's very possible that these players, once they've been tested out, could be a huge benefit in two games. 
maybe maybe three at most, but I'm thinking really two games, especially towards the end of the season. Like I said, by that time you've played some other teams. Uh, you've been able to put them out on the field and see what they're able to do, see how they're able to interact with other players, the chemistry, the flow, their abilities, and everything like that. So you could maybe get two really good games out of some of these players, but I don't know. It's it's questionable. Also, this could be a game changer for, I mean, obviously any position, but as Michigan saw, especially last year, the quarterback position, you know, what, what difference could have been made with Michigan knowing that they wouldn't necessarily burn a red shirt on someone if they um, had that rule in place and they could have maybe experimented with other quarterbacks and things like that. I don't necessarily think that they would have gone any further than Peters, but uh, it is it is possible, especially with how he got injured there at the end, and it seemed like the only uh, resource there was to then go to Orkorn at the end of the season. So, uh, a lot of different possibilities there, but this rule actually might have an effect on the first rule. I saw a very interesting conversation put out there, and uh, I can't remember. We, uh, Craig and I spoke about it when we recorded, and now I can't f- remember where I found it, but I believe it was in an article itself that had the interesting perspective of saying that the redshirt rule could help balance the transfer rule. Because now players don't know how or how much or when they're going to be able to play. Because typically when you're a redshirt, you know, you, you don't play at all. You know, just for the safety of, it, of not burning your redshirt and everything, you don't play at all. And now knowing that you can play in up to four games and not burn your redshirt, players don't know when they're going to be able to be given their chance to go on that field and prove themselves. Because if a player can go out there and prove themselves then you know that if they have a good enough performance, that coaching staff is going to take note of it and be like, look, we need this now. This red shirt is not doing us any favors right now. Burn it. Let's use this this year and move and start moving forward with it now to make an impact for the team. So players really don't know what their opportunities are. So they don't so this could help keep them invested and highly interactive or interacted and like we said invested in their team throughout the whole year because uh, let's face it i mean if you're red shirt you're practicing you're working and everything but it could get distracting and you could hear the rumors and people could be putting um ideas in your head about you know new players coming in and where you're going to fall in place and you know the opportunities or lack of opportunities that you have but if you have the opportunity to prove yourself in three or four games uh, early on in your career uh, when you're quote-unquote under the red shirt that could be a game changer because then you you know the the best of the best are going to rise to the top they're going to work they're going to put in the work, they're going to put in the effort, and they are going to compete. And that's what um, the coaching staff at Michigan looks for. They're looking for the competitors. They're not uh, – They've you've seen them select specific players for their attitude, their character, and things like that. And so they want those that are going to put in that extra work and go that extra mile. And so this is their opportunity. So I find it very interesting about how – both these rules can, but could potentially affect one another. We, Craig and I discussed 
about which one might have the bigger impact uh, earlier on than the other and why. And Craig was leaning more to the idea that the redshirt rule might have a bigger impact. And I was leaning a little bit more to the transfer rule. Um, and my viewpoint was that it, this had this had been in it. Both of them had been an issue and a topic for quite some time. But I just felt like this was a victory for the players with the transfer issues that have been ongoing for such a long time. And so I kind of felt like that was a big victory for them. Uh, Craig was looking more at it from the idea of, you know, what are they going to be able to participate, uh, was going to be more involved for them more immediately. Like some of these players, uh, well, the red shirt rule has a opportunity to affect more players than the transfer rule. Cause not as many players are going to transfer as are the ones who are going to play some games when they're being red shirted. And so I see that from both sides uh, between the transfer rule and the redshirt rule. So it was very interesting to hear both sides of that. Um, both of these rules are not going to really turn the football world upside down or anything, but it was uh, kind of surprising to see that come from the NCAA at this time. I had not heard anything about this going on with these discussions and how far they were in making decisions. So there was no real preparation um, or anticipation that this was going to be coming out. But that was announced earlier in this week. And so uh, while neither of them are perfect, I do f I do feel and believe that the red shirt rule is more complete than the transfer rule. As was stated, the transfer rule still has wiggle room for the conferences to make their own decisions on how their players can transfer in their conference. But the we will have to kind of see how that goes. And it'll be kind of interesting to see how much backlash there is for those conferences. E even if it goes as far, I doubt this will really happen. But could it affect people, players making choices to go to certain schools if they're in a conference that strongly restricts what they can do and where they can go? Uh, because quite frequently what you will see and. um, Oh, I'm losing it now. The uh, tight end that Michigan lost that wound up going to UCLA, being closer to family and things like that. You know, those things come up. So, I mean, what if there are uh, a lot of the best players come from the um, south region of the United States, you know, in SEC country? So, let's say if there's a player in Florida who wants to go play and let's just throw out their Tennessee they go to Tennessee, things don't work out, and they say, well, you know what, I, I'd rather be closer to family and things like that, and they want to transfer to University of Florida. Well, now they might not be able to do that because of the restrictions with the conference. Now, yes, granted, you know, there are other schools like ACC and things like that, but it, it could it could get messy. I don't think it's really going to get that overly complicated and things like that, uh, but... It, it makes you think and it makes you throw out a lot of different scenarios and it'll be see, uh, interesting to see how it progresses. Um, I believe Craig even asked, uh, posed the question, do we think that we're going to see uh, a huge increase in transfers because of this ruling? And I think numbers will definitely be impacted this year. I don't think it's going to be catastrophic or anything. 
I don't think, um, but I could see it kind of fluctuating either way. It could increase a little bit. It could decrease. I really don't think it's going to have an immediate impact and it's going to cause football, uh, college football to go into any kind of hysteria. That's my personal opinion. This is where we are ahead of it, uh, looking out um, before any of this happens. So we will just have to wait, watch, and see how these rulings actually affect college football and the student-athletes. So that, I believe, is really going to be the conversation that we have here this week. Like I said, I mean, it's very late for me right now. I want to make sure to get this out here this week and get this to you guys. I appreciate your patience. I know that this happens once in a blue moon, I guess you would say. Once in a very, very long time, we have some of these issues, and it really throws a curveball for us. But uh, we hope to be back at it regular and both of us on the show next week. I might do another episode while I'm vacation, but call Craig in over Skype, or we might just wait until I'm back later in the week next week. So we do always thank you guys for tuning in and hanging out with us. We hope you guys have a good week. Summer is here. Uh, The weather is nice. If you're in Michigan, it's supposed to be getting really hot. So stay cool. Have a good time. And actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this coming week is the longest week of the year where uh, in Michigan, you're going to have the uh, daylight for the longest amount of time this week. So if if I'm not mistaken, I'm pulling that out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, I hope you guys get to utilize that extra daylight, have uh, an extra good time, get out there, hit the lake, uh, get the barbecue going, doing something, just having a good time, enjoy summer. Because before you know it, man, this is crazy to think, it is almost July then following that is August, and then before you know it, it's going to be September, and we have college football back, and that will be amazing. So we thank you all for uh, joining us on our journey here and keeping up with us week by week. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us. We enjoy bringing you content, and we hope, uh, like we said, you guys have a good rest of the weekend, and we always finish things off with Go Blue.